0: In just a moment, I'm going to be reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, and then from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, as we think together about doubt, completing this sermon series uh, on the absence of God. And uh, you may want to have your Bibles open to Mark 9 and Matthew 27 in just a moment. I invite us before we uh, read our scripture this morning to bow for prayer. Could you bow with me? And uh, we'll be in God's presence together for a time of prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, we thank you for the great victory in Jesus Christ. Uh, Your offer of peace to the nations, the Prince of Peace coming uh, on a donkey, and yet this offer is spurned in individual hearts and among nations, and we continue to Read and hear of violence and war and hatred and hunger and poverty and struggles. And today we would pray that the Prince of Peace might work in the hearts of people everywhere. That you might bless the mission endeavor for Christ all over the earth today. That you would especially bless those who've experienced violence We pray today for those in armed services that are here and scattered all over the world defending freedom, that you would keep them safe and bless their families during these holidays. We ask God that you be in the midst of those within our own community and our own church family, those who are suffering, those who are dealing with a difficult medical diagnosis, uh, those who are uh, grieving the death of loved ones those who are facing family problems and economic hardships and we ask God that you work in their lives and we pray that you will bless the mission of this church that we would be effectively and faithfully sharing the eternal life and abundant life offered through your son Jesus Christ that you would fill us with your spirit that even today we would understand better what it means to love you and to follow you and to bear witness to you, even in the midst of doubts and and imperfections. We pray for forgiveness. We pray for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. We pray that this season might be a season uh, of repentance for each of us, that people would come close to you. We give you our prayers. We give you our full attention. We give you our lives, and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. And now if uh, if you would uh, be attentive to the reading of the Word and turn in your Bibles or notice on the screen uh, the reading from, first of all, Mark chapter 9. And I'm going to be reading uh, verses 14 through 20, 24 and then Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, verses 45 and 46 if you're able to stand, please, as I read God's word. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were immediately overcome with awe, and they ran forward to greet him. He asked them, "What are you arguing about with them?" Someone from the crowd answered him, "Teacher, I brought you my son." He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak and whenever it seizes him it dashes him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid and I ask your disciples to let to cast it out but they could not do so. He answered them you faithless generation how much longer must I be among you how much longer must I put up with you bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him when the spirit saw him immediately it convulsed the boy And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. It has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you are able, all things can be done for the one who believes. Immediately, The father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. And then from Matthew's gospel, at the scene of the cross, these familiar words from verse 45, verse 46 From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lemma sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray uh, together. God in heaven, bless this word. It's a sober word. It's a difficult word. Feed our souls in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm holding up two objects here this morning, uh, and you won't be able to see if you're sitting very far away, but one is one of those little shiny rocks that we gave away uh, at our Ash Wednesday worship service the 1st of March to launch the Lenten season. We had a basket over here and invited people to take a a pebble, a small, smooth rock, and our, our encouragement was during the season of Lent that we would... At times, uh, be in touch with this thought: uh, the smoothness of the stone, the coldness of the stone. Uh, what what's it like? What would it be like the inside of the tomb where Jesus was laid? What would it be like to be locked in that hopelessness and that despair and that sense that God was absent? Uh, it would be cold. It would be unmoving. It would be impersonal. It would be dark. And uh, during the season of Lent, I have to confess to you that I've had one of these on the desk in my office, uh, one in my study at home, and I frequently pick them up and try to meditate and reflect. The other thing I have up here uh, with me is this flyer that came out uh, at the beginning of this sermon series, The Absence of God, and it reminds me the journey we've been on. Uh, Melissa launched us so well with the sermon, March the 5th, suffering and unanswered prayer. Uh, Then evil and injustice. Then natural calamity, when the earth shakes. Tsunami, earthquake, tornado. Why do those things happen? And then illness, grief, and loss. Uh, The whys of that and dealing with the absence of God. And what I want to say as we begin this morning is that in a sense, this morning we're taking all of those topics and we're putting them in the larger basket of doubt because all of those other topics eventually lead us to places of doubt and so we put them in that larger basket. Now it might surprise you that there's more than one kind of doubt and, and actually it's, it's rather interesting that at least, I think, three kinds of doubt are displayed in the scripture that I read to you from Mark chapter 9. Uh, There is the doubt of the scribes. They're arguing with the disciples. And we know from other scriptures that the doubt doubt of the scribes was a doubt that was an arrogant resistance. That's not really the doubt we're going to be talking about this morning. Uh, It was the doubt of arrogant resistance that decides ahead of time that God is not a factor in life. Decides ahead of time against God... And with a pride, it has a, a will that will, not res, that will not yield to God. Uh, that's an important kind of doubt, but we're not really talking with that kind of uh, stance against God. Uh, there is a second kind of doubt displayed in this scripture by the disciples. Uh, Jesus eventually tells them, you know, you would have been able to perform this miracle if you'd had enough faith. Uh, this would be the doubt of immaturity. The doubt that uh, that fails to connect the dots of saying, if God worked in the past, then God can work in new situations. Uh, It is the doubt of spiritual dullness, of just simply not paying attention uh, to what God is doing in your life and all around you. And again, it's not exactly what we're after this morning. The, The third kind of doubt in this text is the one that we're focusing on, and that's the doubt of the Father. The Father who wants to believe but whose heart is, is really heavy and he's been burned before. He's got this son who has this affliction and there's this pain in his life from uh, seeing his son so limited and so tormented by this, by this, uh, this suffering that he's going through. And uh, the father uh, eventually cries out, uh, I believe, help my unbelief, uh, it is a searching kind of doubt. It's a, it's a doubt that is searching that can eventually lead to a searching faith. It's an honest doubt that said, I, I'm willing to be convinced, I'm willing, my heart's open, but I but I have doubts and struggles. I believe, help my unbelief. And I think we've all been there for honest. And the acknowledgement, the beautiful thing about this passage of scripture. And it's the only place in the Gospels that this story is told. The beautiful thing about this scripture is that it it lets us know that faith and doubt reside in the same heart. That there's nothing wrong with you if you're a person who has both faith and doubt abiding in in the same life. In fact, Paul Ely once said that in his own life he sees faith and doubt as two different night watchmen who take over the other one's shift. They just sort of take turns, like, well, faith says my shift is over, uh, I need to go to sleep for a while, and, and doubt comes along and says I'll take over for an eight-hour shift, and, and they're, they're both in the same heart. Faith and doubt, night watchmen, uh, each taking turns with a shift. And I, I do want to alleviate guilt this morning to, know that, to let you know that, that doubt is a part of growing faith. This this father in this story tells us that d- it's nothing to be ashamed of to have doubts. Do you remember uh, the stories we heard about Mother Teresa after her death? Before she died, all we heard is these magnificent deeds of faith, these incredibly unselfish acts that created a life that was the model of service and self-forgetfulness. And then after she died through journals and through other things that people discovered, she had enormous doubts. She had seasons of spiritual dryness where she really wondered where God was and honestly experienced the absence of God. And you think, you know, if Mother Teresa could have all those struggles and still do all those great works, you know, maybe there's hope for me. Maybe there's hope for you. When it comes down to it, you and I need to remember that faith is not becoming all-knowing. You know, I think sometimes we, we feel like if I, if I could just get all the answers, I would have faith. Or if I have enough faith, God will tell me all the answers. But faith is not about knowing everything, Faith is about being connected to the God who knows everything. See the difference? We would like for faith to make us all powerful. You know, if I have enough faith, man, I can can conquer anything. But faith is not about making us all powerful. It is about connecting to the God who is all powerful. And don't you really believe that when it comes down to it, we have to be content to know that being connected to the God who's all-knowing know, all has to be enough. The rest of it we have to just leave to God. Being connected to the God who's all-powerful has to be enough. We just can't know all those things and do all those things. We have to trust. And then the second passage of scripture, Jesus hanging on the cross that Friday afternoon. And and Matthew vividly describes it. He says, as Jesus is hanging on the cross and the life is ebbing out of him from noon to three o'clock in the afternoon, darkness over the whole land. And Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The only time I know of in Scripture where Jesus didn't call God Father, called Him God, because He felt that loneliness, no doubt felt the absence of God. You know from the many times I talk about Him that Henry Nouwen is one of my favorite authors. He was a man who wrote and did inc- he did incredible things in helping people connect with God, come to Christ, have a deeper prayer life. And yet, in the last book he wrote before he died, he talked about how he was so embarrassed. He said, people come to me for help with their prayer life all the time. And he said, I don't feel like I have a good prayer life. In fact, he said, I feel like my prayers... Are as dead as rock. And he said, The best word to describe my spiritual life at times is darkness. What was it that happened on the cross as Jesus cried out, My God, where are you? What's with all this darkness? You see that darkness theme? Flannery O'Connor, a great American author, talked about this struggle of faith. You arrive at enough certainty to be able to make your way, but it is making your way in darkness. Don't expect faith to clear things up for you. It is trust, not certainty. And how many of us think that the only definition of faith is certainty? Certainty is a part of it. But she reminds us that as we make our way as children of God through this earth we will make our way by faith in darkness. Darkness when Jesus was hanging on the cross. She said, don't expect faith to clear everything up. It's trust, not certainty. And by the way, right after that, Annie Dillard wrote, by the time you get your spiritual house in order, you'll be dead. That's the only time you're ever going to say, I got it figured out now. We'll we'll be with the Lord. So I get it that we all crave certainty. I mean, we all need certainty. A certain amount of it. But would you also grant me this morning and agree with me that a part of faith is also spiritual longing. A A part of faith is spiritual longing for relationship. And you know, you can be in a relationship with someone and have a quarrel. I bet everybody who's married knows that. You can be in a relationship with someone and have a quarrel because you don't quarrel with strangers. You quarrel with people you love. You're quarreling because you care. And it's a lover's quarrel with God that we walk through. God loves you Not only in spite of your doubts, God loves you in your doubts. You can't surprise God with any of your doubts. He loves you. cares about you. And one of the things I've learned through this sermon series on the absence of God and been reminded of is that to be a Christian not only means to have faith in Jesus Christ, it also means to have the faith of Jesus Christ. That means that when I became a believer, Jesus came to live inside me and the same stubborn faith that would allow him to trust God even in that dark moment on the cross, even when he felt like God was absent, that same stubborn faith in God when God seems absent is in me and when I'm failing as a Christian, when I'm stumbling as a believer and I'm not trusting God, Jesus Christ is in me And I have the faith of Jesus, not just faith in Jesus. And Jesus is standing there interceding and believing for me. Because scripture says in Hebrews 7.25 that Jesus ever lives to make intercessions for us. And do you remember what that means? That he is always there for us so that when you're going through doubt and struggle about the absence of God, Jesus may be saying to you, I know exactly what you're going through. Let me tell you about a dark Friday afternoon a long time ago. And that, that hill, that rock formation, we were privileged to visit when we were in Jerusalem. It's just outside the city gates. When we were there in February, Nobody knows for sure, but many believe that's Golgotha, that's that rocky hill that looks like a skull, where on a dark Friday afternoon, Jesus bore it all, and Jesus says to us, I know exactly what you mean, I've literally been there. Brian McLaren tells about a friend who emailed him one time and said, uh, the friend said, you know, I went through a long part of my Christian life where I was afraid to acknowledge my doubts. I was afraid to ask questions because I would look like a weak Christian or uh, one who didn't believe the Bible. And he said, I got tired of the dishonesty. I got tired of the pressure. I got tired of the the sense of emptiness, and he said, so I I learned to finally acknowledge the questions, I learned to finally acknowledge the the struggles, and uh, I let those things come to the surface. And he said, it's it's so much more freeing to to be able to face my doubts. He said, it's still hard. But he said, despite my fears, I've not fallen away from God, I've fallen into God. And I got to thinking, that's not a bad way to conclude this sermon series on the absence of God. We don't have to fall away from God. Sometimes we just don't understand it all, but we can fall into God. Fall into God. And trust Him. Let's pray. For just a few moments, would you uh, just allow the Holy Spirit to prompt and nudge you any way that you might feel led as you've thought about doubts, as you've thought about the absence of God during this sermon series, as we think about what Christ went through on the cross. Maybe you're here this morning and for the first time you're ready to give your life to Christ. To say, you know, I've tried it on my own. I want to repent. I want to turn from that. I want to forsake that. I want to turn to Christ by faith. I don't understand it all. I never will. But by faith I receive Jesus Christ. I make a choice to receive him into my life. The forgiveness, the hope, the newness. His having faith for me when I stumble and can't do it myself. If you're receiving Christ for the first time, we would be happy to receive you here during our response time to pray with you and to help you or to visit with you after the service. There may be other believers who want to come for prayer. Others maybe who feel led to make this their church home who want to come and present themselves for membership. Others who just want to come to the altar. The time is between, it's open and between you and God. Heavenly Father, be real in our hearts and Lead us in your path. Through Christ we pray. Amen.